0: Okay, living the life within you. Heavenly Father, will you slow down our hearts and minds to hear today? What is it that our soul needs to hear? It may have nothing to do with what I'm sharing. What do you want us to hear? Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, things that made me ponder this week... I'm really enjoying this. I don't know if I'll do this in September, but it's been a fun summer thing to do to share things that make me ponder because I'm coming across thoughts that make me think beyond the meme or the, the picture with words. And if it does that to me, maybe there's a benefit to us because not everybody's on Facebook and not everybody sees the same stuff. Uh, and I thought, let's, let's journey together. So here's here, I talked about the word woke last week and uh, my distaste for it. Maybe it was even two weeks ago. But I love this. as woke means awaken to the needs of others, to be well-informed, thoughtful, compassionate, humble, and kind, eager to make the world a better place for all people. Whereas woke today tends to be I know more than you, or I, I know something you don't, so yeah, and I'm gonna lord it over you. It's more of an us versus them. So if you use the word, I'm, you're woke, or, I'm woke, whatever, you can stop, it's old, and is not serving its purpose. Awakening, that's what we're doing. We are awakening, not woke, because there's no rival. We are awakening to the revelation of Jesus Christ in us, That's what we're awakening to. I'm still not woke to that because I'm still learning more about it. And I've been doing this for 32 years. I didn't even know my identity for the first 10 10 years of pastoral ministry. And yet I was teaching and preaching. And I love Jesus, but I'm still learning. Edith, you're still learning, right? Yes, absolutely. You're still learning with me, right? Elizabeth, sorry, what did I call you? Oh my goodness, that Carl Elizabeth. Oh my goodness. Who's he talking to? Elizabeth. My I'm sorry. Oops. See, when I get going I can it, it, it there wasn't even a squirrel out there. Elizabeth, are you growing still at, at your stage in life of enjoying everything freely? Are you still growing in grace? I would say yes. You're, you're, you're not the same place you were 20 years ago. Neither is Patty. You're not the same place you were 20 years ago. Norma, 20 years ago, you've grown more, right? Like. Anyway, I, point made. I like this one. Making someone feel seen, heard, and understood is the loudest way to love them. Well, unfortunately, in the church world, that's... The, the bad interpretation of showing people you love them is tell them how wrong they are. Do you know what I mean? It's about correcting them. while wow, we're supposed to correct, and no, you're not. Like, no, no. And if you're using a certain verse that I have in mind, it's way out of context. Anyway. Um, Thomas Merton says this, Nothing has ever been said about God that hasn't already been said better by the wind in the pine trees. Here's how this one hit me this week. Uh, I've been sharing stuff for, okay, 32 years, but in the last 20 years, I was teaching more and growing in this journey of grace and who is grace. Grace is a person named Jesus. So I've been having so much fun sharing, and, and even more, the love of God's getting deeper and wider than I ever dreamed. And so I'm thinking, wow, that's new. And then when I begin sharing it, people say, well, you're teaching new teaching, Uh, no, I'm actually not. Um, I've never heard that before. That's right, because it's new to you. And the more I grow deeper, here's what I'm finding. And since we're in a Lutheran church, this makes it a little more fun. They've got like 400 years of history that we don't as a non-denominational church. So when I was talking with the previous pastor and sharing my journey, his name was Hans. And as I was sharing my journey, he goes, Yeah we believed that for 400 years. What? Yeah, you just worded differently. What? It was, we just—it was really fun. I thought I was trying to be careful what I said, and he said, "No, this is the message," and it goes back even further to the first couple centuries, even the first 300 years, 400 years, 500 years, even. And we think that we have this great new knowledge in the last. Hundred years. Um, it's founded on something far more ancient, and if nothing of it is new, it's new to you and reworded so it clicks for you. You go, oh, that makes more sense. It's like me saying it to you in Chinese. I can't speak Chinese. But if I say something to you in Chinese, you won't get anything until it's translated, and they go, oh, that's what you meant. You know, I could say, Spreche Deutsch, Sie verstehen mich gar nicht. And you go, what? Is that phlegm in your throat? Right? But I'm telling you to understand a word I'm saying because I'm 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 speaking German. Ruth understood that. But the point is, until it's interpreted, revealed, remember, revelation can't be unrevealed. It can be forgotten, but not unrevealed. People ask for more grace and more peace and more patience. And more knowledge in a, a, a new, fresh wind of the Spirit. That was a phrase used for many years in charismatic circles. You don't need any of that. You need to awaken to what's already in you and let it out. It changes things. Otherwise, you're searching for something that's already in you. I had a chance to share a little more gently with um, the long-term care home because I'm doing this chapel recording for a whole bunch of villages, and I want them to know the fullness of Christ in them. Some of them have never even heard of Christ in you. I didn't until almost 20 years ago. I thought Christ was with me. Remember that? Okay, Grover, you know, God's when I'm good god's near and when i'm bad god's far right like I, I just i love that anyway but that is a faulty image of god god is with me all the time my pentecostal youth leader literally told me if you go into a bar jesus has to wait outside until you're done i'm thinking wow Like seriously, this is how this indoctrination can mess up your concept of who you believe God to be. And guess what will happen? You will live from your belief. And if anybody challenges it, they're wrong because this is what you believe. We need to let the Holy Spirit be our teacher. It's not new. Nothing we share is new. In fact, when we begin to connect the dots to the early church fathers, we go... Wow, they got it back then. Yeah, you're just getting it now. (laughs) There's more to it. In fact, my phrase lately has been, let's find a more hope-filled perspective on many of these topics. Because the ancient church did not see some of our doctrines the same way. And when you begin to go back, especially the stuff we find hard to believe, when you question it, Wow, there's another perspective. You may not even agree with it, and that's fine. But there's legitimate perspectives throughout history. That's why history is important. Because going back, you find it where they got it right and where they got it wrong. A wave cannot be separate from the ocean without instantly ceasing to exist. The same is true of you and God. And the reason I like this is because the last three or four weeks... I've been excited to keep reminding myself and others that there is no such thing as a separation from God at all. It's in your mind. There is a separatedness in your mind only, but objective separation is impossible because, in case that's driving you crazy already, you go, I can't be right. You know, Sin separates us from God. In your mind. Listen to this. This is, this is the clincher. I'm going to give you this short three sermon into one sentence. In Colossians, it tells us that Christ has created all things and holds all things together. Therefore, there is an objective connection with everything created. There's no separation. Awareness is the issue. What does that mean? What are the ramifications? Well, that's for another sermon. But if you believe this foundation, that there is a separation, we have a problem. Because you begin with a lie. And when you believe a lie, nothing else will fit into that. Anyway, I thought it was beautiful. Eckhart Tolle, if you ever heard of him, as far as inner transformation is concerned, there's nothing you can do about it. You cannot transform yourself, and you certainly cannot transform your partner or anybody else. All you can do is create a space for transformation to happen, for grace and love to enter. This is flying in the face of self-effort. I would say it's Jesus that does that. It's Jesus that is our motivator, inspirer, and the source of power to make any changes that he wants to see happen in us and through us. So if you're exhausted from trying, good, stop. God doesn't need your help. Just let him love you. Let the Trinity love you. For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. You lack nothing. I love that translation. I don't even have a clue which one it is, but it's true. You don't have to ask God for more strength. You don't have to ask God for more patience. You don't have to ask God for more love. You already possess the entirety of Christ in you. Now, instead, change your words to, Father, awaken me to what is in me, or will you allow your patience to come through? Because my self-patience is not working right now. <laughs> and I love this one. This, this made me smile. On it was right after church last Sunday I saw this. The Holy Ghost doesn't only make you dance and speak in tongues, it also makes you apologize. Shut up and examine yourself. I thought, oh my goodness. Well, fancy that. Because after my Baptist church experience, I went to a Pentecostal church. It was very, very different. Trust me. Um, but I love the animation and the free flowingness because it was the opposite of what I grew up with. And uh, uh, they talked about the Holy Ghost making you dance. I'm thinking, oh man, I gotta, I gotta look like I got the Holy Spirit. They're gonna judge me. They don't have the Holy Spirit. I gotta. Anyway, there's a whole list. But, but this idea uh, of that's not just it. It's about your humility. And we sang about it in the second song, Lori led. The God of the humble. You want the fruit of the spirit to come out? It's not just a pizzazz that people are drawn to because that wears off. It's like in the, the Pentecostal church. There was a joke that was shared. A person kept coming up to the front at the end of every service and praying, fill me, Jesus, fill me, Jesus, every week. Finally, and I at the back, got tired of this and yelled out finally, don't do it, Lord, she leaks." We don't need revival. Although the idea, I get it. The sentiment, I get it. You don't need revival. Revival wears off. How many of you have ever been to a camp, a camp meeting? Yeah, like I spoke at them. Oh yeah, yeah, Brent, you would have. <laughs> you know, camp meetings—you get all revved up for, especially youth camp. Get ready for school. You know, inspire people to live for Jesus. Join the clubs and go to that pray at the pole thing and all that. stuff. You name it. Those things in and of themselves aren't bad. But the problem is it wears off. But here's something that does not wear off, and I mentioned it earlier. Better than revival is what's called, remember, revelation. The revelation of Jesus. That's what we need. People are running past the revelation of Jesus and going for the signs. When they hear about all these wonderful gifts of the Spirit, oh, I want that one and that one. Where's the button for that one? Can I pay more for this one? If I? You know what I mean? No. Nobody wants the cleaning job, diaper job, you know, all those jobs that are no fun per se. They want the exciting ones, and preachers are raised up on pedestals. It's terrible. Seriously, it's terrible. I hope by now you've realized I'm more like you than anything. I'm not some, well, you guys know that now. <laughs> but when you raise someone up to a special role, I have a role, but I'm not, if I was just by myself, it'd be useless. I need the context of family. I need a church family to work with and grow with because if it's just my mind, look out, it won't get challenged. But here I have a whole group of people, of great thinkers, people who love Jesus deeply and differently. And I need that because there isn't just one expression. In fact, Hope Fellowship's a bit weird. We have backgrounds like you wouldn't believe here from all kinds of denominations, especially for those that have been here over the last number of years and those that have moved on to other places. All the denominations you can think of, almost everyone has been represented here. So it's not really non denominational. I just realized this phrase this past week it's all denominational. I like that better. That's inclusive. All denominational. <laughs> I think I'll use that. Living the life within you, some practical wisdom. How does Christ in us get out? That's what I'm hoping this light summer series will touch on. Friedrich, Frederick Buchner, I don't know how to say it. The final secret I think is this that the words, you shall love the Lord your God, become in the end less a command than a promise. Kenneth Tanner on Facebook posted this. He's a a lovely minister. I I do not remember his denomination. Um, But phenomenal deep teacher. And uh, he got some comments on this because there's more to it. It comes from uh, an article And so he said, for context, look here. So I thought, I'm going to share that with you. The the context of this line is, you know, you shall love the Lord your God. My background, this would have been the club. You shall love the Lord your God. You will. You must. If you're not doing it right, you need to repent, as in really say you're sorry for your sin is what they mean by repent. The word repent just means change your mind. Remember? Yes, you guys know that. So, When this phrase happened, I thought, wow, I never caught it like that. You shall, you're going to. That's where the word shall can be understood. You're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's not the rigid, making God bigger and better is getting more exciting now. And it's not making him bigger and better. It's my awareness is getting bigger and better. So here's where this comes from. The final secret, I think, is this. That the words, you shall love the Lord your God, become in the end less of a command than a promise. It should have been a promise, not a command. The promise is that, yes, on the weary feet of faith and the fragile wings of hope, we will come to love him at last, as from the first he has loved us. I love that. He first loved us, loved us even in the wilderness especially in the wilderness because it has, been a, it has been in the wilderness with us. He has been in the wilderness with us. The idea of that song, though Satan should buffet or pound us and try and knock us off our balance. There is Christ with us no matter what. He has been in the wilderness for us. He has been acquainted with our grief. And loving him, we will come at last to love each other too. So that in the end... The name taped on every door will be the name of the one we love. And these words, which I command you this day, shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you rise. And rise we shall out of the wilderness. Every last one of us, even as out of the wilderness, Christ rose before us. That is the promise and the greatest of all promises. I love that. I hope you caught that. It's quite deep. Let's start the sermon. (laughs) It wasn't the water he came for, it was me, woman at the well. All this dovetails together. I want to read to you a Bible story from the Message Translation. I haven't read a story for a while, so I'm going to have the words on the screen. You can read along or just listen. But I want you to capture what's going on with the perspective of Jesus. He does something bizarre. He does an intentional detour. One that you and I would normally avoid. So let's, let's see what happens here. From the message. The woman at the well. Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed. Although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing. They had posted the score that Jesus was ahead. Turning him and John to the rivals in the eyes of people. Pause for a moment does this sound like church or what? (laughs) To me, I just saw that just now. I was like, wait a minute. Is there a competition between churches? Yes, nobody wants to admit it. There shouldn't be at all. But that's what the Jews were doing to Jesus. They were jealous. They saw success. There's something authentic they couldn't capture. They couldn't understand because they didn't have revelation. So Jesus left the Judean countryside, and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Old Testament story, FYI. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. Pause here. Usually Jews... We'll take an extra day trip to avoid this area completely. Samaritans and Jews do not get along. There's a conflict. There's an under, I think, a non-written rule, a non-verbal rule: you are not to be talking to Samaritans. They may have even written it down. I don't know. So what Jesus did here goes extremely countercultural, extremely. And it was noon. A woman. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food because, you know, none of them can go alone. They got to be in a group because it's a dangerous territory now. You know, they're all afraid. But sure, leave Jesus, right? (laughs) Sorry, I caught that. It was funny. The Samaritan woman, taken aback. Why? Because, first of all, Jews don't talk to Samaritans, let alone a woman. Because the Jews were the most judgmental. You want to talk about religion. Religion is a system of professional judging. It just is. Samaritan woman is taken aback. How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. And Jesus answered If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. This is a thirsty Jesus asking for a drink, and he says this. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep, so how are you going to get this living water? Are you better, man, than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock have passed it down to us. Pause. Did she just preach at Jesus? I think she did. She preached at the Son of God. A woman. (laughs) She had some sass. Something else about this woman. Nowhere in the narrative is she a prostitute. Just in case... People are, because there's been some bad books written and uh, narrow lenses that she was a, um, an embarrassment. She slept around and she was a, you know, a woman of low reputation. She probably did not have a great reputation. But there's nothing but prostitute and nothing about being uneducated. She is sharing an education, she is sharing spiritual heritage. She is very conscious of her spiritual roots where the Jews would think the Samaritans don't give a hoot about their faith because they don't take it seriously. She does. There's something different about this woman. We'll talk about her reputation in just a minute because I think it's better than what we've been told. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst. Like, not ever. The water I give will be an artistian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. And I won't ever have to come back to this well again. She wasn't getting it. He was speaking spiritually, internally. She was not hearing those words. She was focused on the physical that was right in front of her. She had no other reason not to. He said, go, call your husband, and then come back. Well, that's a switch. What's that got to do with water? Nothing. "Um, I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put, Jesus said. I have no husband. You've had five husbands. The man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth here, sure enough. Okay, you bump into a complete stranger at a bus stop, and they tell this kind of stuff to you. What are you going to say back? Okay, that's freaky right so okay do you have some sort of app or something telling you about who what people's lives are like Jesus totally zooms into her heart he sees her need to be spiritual and value spirituality religious faith super deep that he goes to the jugular for honesty and integrity because most would just lie but she didn't She was true right through to the worst embarrassing part of what should shame her, but she wasn't quite buying it. So you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Okay, another thing that throws me off. You're a prophet, got it. But she then goes to something spiritual. She doesn't even deal with the question. She skips over the potential shame, doesn't let it... and right away it goes spiritual. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain. But you Jews insist that Jerusalem's the only place for worship, right? Do you see the shift? It's a major shift. That's not a conversation I would have. I would be in that first discussion still. What about the water? Hey, where's the, what about the water conversation? How fast can Jesus change topics? Oh, she was the woman who changed the topic. That was, ne- that was not negative. That was That was the source of her confidence coming through. Just don't take that the wrong way. Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews, but the time is coming it has in fact come when what you're called sorry when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter see at that time in history the jewish system was supposedly the right place the authoritative place king james version place to worship But Jesus is saying, ha, 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 things are going to change really soon. It's it's who you are and the way you live that will count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father's out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is is sheer being itself spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. What was this woman doing this entire time? She was being true of her spirit, authentic, ever response to Jesus. She was not trying to make herself look good and smart. She was being honest and transparent. Jesus was taking down those walls, and she was buying it. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming, and when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. Uh, hello, I'm here. I'm he, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. <laughs> Just then, his disciples came back. Oh, sure, distract. Now she can't even respond. We don't even have a story of her jaw dropping or anything like that. Like, what would happen to you? I'm he. Hey, Jesus, we're all back. They'll come back. They have no idea. There's a big spiritual conversation going on. So she has to take it internal now. Just then the disciples came back and they were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of a woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left. That's what Judgment does. Judgment rejects. Judgment separates. Except the judgment of God, which unifies. God judges you, declares you as righteous, clean, pure, holy. So don't tell anybody else they're not just because you judge their behavior. You're not qualified. Neither am I. The woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. Well, yeah, it's like 11 other guys show up. Like, I'm out of here. (laughs) I can come back later for that. Back in the village, she told the people, Come and see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. This is an important part of the story. Come and see the man who knew all the things I ever did. Jesus didn't talk about all the stuff she ever did. But it was communicated by the love of God. He knew her. And there weren't words for it. Not everything that's true and noble is written in the pages of our Bible. It's written on the winds of the pine trees and the wind of the Spirit going between and in and through you and I. And then she says, Come and see, do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see themselves. Now, here's here's the part I love. If she was a woman with a horrible, deplorable reputation, and by the way, if you realize how easy it was for male Jews and the culture to divorce, you burn the soup, I'm divorcing you. That's how quickly you could divorce somebody. It was awful. They needed to find somebody again because in their culture, it's the only way they'll be supported in the future. It's a terrible, terrible system. So five husbands, man. Well, it's very different than today. Somebody today has five husbands. and You go, wait a minute. (laughs) Okay, there's a bit of a pattern here. (laughs) I don't know. That's a judgment, right? We do that. It's not right. But here, If she was that deplorable, guess what? They would not have listened, nor would they have come. She was of valuable reputation in my best assumption. Add that to the menu because the narrative cannot be she was a terrible woman, blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry, that one has less and less power anymore. But the one of stature, spiritual hunger, wanting to know truth, that's who this woman seems to be. It's harvest time. In the meantime, the disciples pressed him. Rabbi, eat. Aren't you going to eat men and their food? Ugh, seriously. He told them, I have food to eat you know nothing about. Where? Where's the, where's the whopper wrapper? And the fries container, there's a ketchup wrapper, yeah. No, there was no food. What was his food? The spiritual excitement of somebody who's gone to get people, because she caught it. His spirit could read her spirit of what was going on. Oh, he was getting giddy. He's getting excited. I can't eat right now. I'm too happy. It's like going to, you know, kids, they, you tell them to eat something before you go to a special party. Oh, I can't eat right now. I'm not hungry. Take a bite, eat something. You know, it, it doesn't work like that. Here, Jesus is having a similar experience and realizing there's more than just physical food because we are spiritual beings. The disciples were puzzled. Who could have brought him food? There it is. Guys and their food again. So funny. Jesus said, The food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me. Finishing the work he started. And as you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months it will be time to harvest? Well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. Because he planted the seed in the woman, and she was going and bringing people. And he knew this was happening. The harvester isn't waiting. He's taking his pay, gathering in the grain that's ripe for eternal life. Now the sower is arm in arm with the harvester, triumphant. That's the truth of the saying. This one sows, that one harvests. I send you to harvest the field you've never worked. Without lifting a finger, you have walked in on the field, worked long and hard by others. This reminds me of evangelism 101. We don't lead people to Christ. Your little evangelism course is lying to you. You can't lead anyone to Christ and then mark it off. Look at all the people I won to Christ. You can't. Jesus does it. And he uses all of us. Every one of us plays a part in the spoke of the wheel of how the message gets to people. We'll get into that another time. Many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. He knew all the things I did. He knows me inside and out. They asked him to stay on. So Jesus stayed two days in a Samaritan village. Poor disciples. Is this a setup? (laughs) A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard that he had what he had to say. They said to the woman, We no longer, we're no longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it for ourselves and know it is for sure. He's the savior of the world. And after two days, he left for Galilee. You and I can't plan the future. But we can have our antenna open and our spirit ready to hear what the Holy Spirit may prompt us to do, who to speak to, who to love, who to walk away from, who to walk towards. And no one is to judge us for that. I think we have to stop here because, yeah, definitely. We're going to close with this. We're going to close with the Lord's Prayer. We haven't done this for a long time. I mean, if you've ever been in public school and we said the Lord's Prayer... I want to share it today. Again, being inspired by somebody here. If you know it, great. If you don't, listen. You're welcome to join me in this. But there is room for this. For a long time, I wouldn't do this prayer because I thought it was a legalistic, new, uh, old covenant prayer. It's not. There's more going on than I ever knew, and that's for another sermon. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Translated into this translation.